Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. Okay. 7th of June, 1893. A young lawyer, an Indian lawyer, was arrested because he got the audacity to get onto a train that were for whites only. His name was Gandhi. He was later known as Mahatma or the great soul. So this young guy who is a lawyer gets onto this train and was thrown off the train because of his race. He made a remarkable impression on this young man's life, so much so that he started to, to uh, and he was very int- instrumental in creating pro- protest, uh, uh, peaceful protest and influenced a lot of Indian people, especially right across the world to, to, to start doing this. Uh, and, and, and it's fascinating to read Mahatma Gandhi's story. I'm going to end a little bit with his story at the end as well, uh, just to give you something that really saddens me about his life. But, but when I look at this and I think, wow, this, our country, my dear friends, and we, can never, we can't run away with it. Our great, great, great grandchildren will be better about it, but they will still be able to say some of the stuff that we did in those days and so on. So, so let me tell you, our country is full of moments, full of, of, of um, events where people based on race, on gender, were favored. And it hasn't changed much. It still happens a lot. And it causes, and it's caused tremendous hurt uh, and damage in our country and in our nation. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 2, because James chapter 2 addresses the issue of favoritism. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. So let's go to James chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 2 to uh, verse 9. And we're on part eight of the series, and I don't know how long we will go on it, but there's some really good stuff uh, in the book of James. So let me read it with you. Favoritism forbidden. Uh, that's the heading in the NIV. Favoritism forbidden. My brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. A poor man uh, in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, uh, but you say to the poor man, go and stand over there or sit here at my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom, uh, the kingdom he promised to those that love him? But you've dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you to court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you all belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. You see, the book of James is a very, as I said a few times, a fantastic practical book. If that was the only book that you and I would ever read as believers, we would be close to the Lord Jesus Christ if we read this on a daily basis. The book of James, when you, when you, when you turn to it in your Bible, you almost go towards the end of your Bible, sort of three quarters way down in the, in the New Testament. And you know what, chronologically, it should actually be the first book because it was the first book written of the New Testament books 
The first book written of the New Testament books. And, and it was written by James. James was the little brother of Jesus. Now can you imagine being James? And in your household there are one or two other children. But this brother Jesus is a little different to all of you. First of all, the claim is that he was born when your mom was still a virgin. Secondly, he does things that is not normal like other children uh, do. You know, now, I'm sure he did wet his nappy and stuff like that. He did go to the toilet as a human being and so on. But he does things and James must have looked at his brother a little bit. And maybe from time to time thought of his brother as a little different or strange. And James, in fact, history tells us never really became a committed Christian or a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ until after Jesus was resurrected. And after Jesus, when he was resurrected, something must have clicked in James's mind and heart. And he must have looked at because Jesus appeared to them and he must have been, he was there when Jesus appeared to those after he was resurrected. And James, suddenly the lights must have gone on in his mind. And he must have looked at these, this brother of his now in a totally different way. Now he believed that whom he saw was the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. The glorious Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. James gives his life to Christ, hands himself over, becomes a leader in the church, and writes this book to believers who at this time were scattered right across this world. I love the story. I mean, I get wunderflies, chicken meat, when I look and listen to this story. And the first things I want to tell you is that faith, this is what James is telling us, that faith and favoritism don't coincide they don't live together they don't co-dwell they don't they don't they, they, they don't belong together faith and favoritism and that's why he starts the letter that, that, that he the way he does but he starts like this read it again with me if you've got your bible open it says brothers and sisters and as he starts this letter he indicates that he had a close relationship with his hearers he, he writes this message to them from a, a relationship a basis of intimacy and shared faith they shared the same faith. He shared very important things in this book and especially in chapter two and we're there right now uh, with Christians but he had a very gentle Christian attitude, brothers and sisters. Now let me tell you something. Although he was gentle and although he doesn't come across very harsh like maybe Paul from time to time seemed to come across. He did not mince his words. He was straight down the line. He spoke with, spoke with his gentle attitude and addresses belief and behavior and says they may and cannot and should not contradict one another. That's, that's what James is telling us. He brings the attention to the fact that our faith is practical. Faith is and should be demonstrated in a day-to-day -day way in our living. And you cannot say you believe one thing in the next chapter we're getting the next week and believe another thing. They've got to faith, words, and deeds cannot be separated. They coincide together if you can take your faith, your words, your confessions, and your actions. They glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is not necessarily or demonstrated only by words. And I'll get to that next week. And that's how 
we see many believers today. They think that when they speak it, it is okay. You know what? James says, no, 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 no. That's only one part of it. Confession is good. What you believe is good. But James says, unless they go over into a practical demonstration, living it, it is dead, meaningless. In fact, it is annoying and a negative or bad testimony. That is our challenge, you see. To believe to have faith that practically works out in life. I want to read verse 1 in a different translation uh, to you this morning. And this is in the New Living Translation. It says this, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over other people? How can you claim to have faith, he says. You see the verse here, this verse 1 has a number of connotations. When it speaks about an, an and, 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 he, and James, and you, you wonder, why does he say faith in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ? Well, maybe there's a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is this. He, he brings attention to f- faith in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll come back to that later in a moment. Because I think the first thing, before he gets to this favoritism, this word favoritism, he wanted his hearers to understand that if you believe the Lord Jesus is glorious, you've got to do what he does. And this glorious Lord Jesus did did not show favoritism to anybody. In fact, he came and showed favor, not favoritism. He showed blessing and love to the unlovable and the unlikable. And James says, that's the way you should live. How can you claim to have faith, he says, if you do show favoritism in the church? So James gives us a very, very important lesson, a practical lesson in relationships in the church. And in fact, in simple English, and you don't have to reinterpret this at all because it's as plain as it can get, Christo. He says to us, in the church, the playing field is level, Pity. You know, you and I look at the church and we may, we may look at the person with possession or the people with position and we put them on a different level. And, and so and Jesus says, when you come into this building and when you live outside of this building as a believer, the playing field is level. You've got to see people the way I see them, God says. Now look at this word favoritism for a moment it's a greek word that is a combination of two words and it's a it's a it's a, it's a really really ugly word prosopolemthias now will you repeat that with me okay so let's forget the greek now but what it means is person it's a combination of two words person and lift up and in fact sometimes they translate that word person as face in other words don't lift the face of a person up don't lift their status up don't lift a person up among you unnecessarily because you know it doesn't mean we should not honor or dishonor a person that's not what James is saying but he says if you treat anybody higher better greater than somebody else your faith is in question that's what he says The dictionary defined favoritism as the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or a group of persons at the expense of another. And we'll come back to that and it will explain itself a little bit. But you know what? The word favoritism is not always negative or word favor. The word favor can actually be very positive. And, 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 and the word favor could be used in a, in, in a way like this is I favor my right hand to my left hand. How many of you do that? None of you, okay, so you, 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 you're not, so I explain that. 
explain that, okay? So when I was a child, and, and, and I never saw a psychologist about it, I just got over it. Uh, some people say I should still see a psychologist. I always tied my, first, my right shoe first. Now, now some of you, re- oh, you should never come to this church, this guy's cuckoos. I always used to, it was a game I played as a kid. It's when I put my pants on, I would put my right foot on first. Put my right arm through my, it had to win. That's the game I played as a kid. Cuckoo. All right. How many of you did similar things? Mm, some more cuckoo people. Let's have coffee afterwards. Let's all the cuckoo ones go and have coffee afterwards, okay. But, but you, you see, the, it's not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing to show favor to one or the uh, a hand. Here's another thing. I favor the bucket to win the World Cup. That's very realistic, positive. It's that I, let me tell you something about this hairstyle that you may notice a little, little bit different to what it was the last time you saw me. Just slightly different. My wife loves it, and she has not spoken to me for a week about it. So uh, I go to the hairdresser. Uh, uh, wait, we watched the first round. I've got to say this because this, is, this has got to be noticed. At my house, the first rugby game is on. I will mention the names because if they don't do it, they're in trouble. Dr. Glenn Staples over there, his hands are up. His son, my son Bryce, Nicholas, Nick Moritz, and myself. Those were the, all of us. We watched the game of rugby. We pledged, promised, that if the Springboks win the World Cup, we will shave our hair absolutely off, like some of you naturally have. Off. Now, Nick is not going to be, it's not going to be such a step down for him <laughs> because he's three quarters of the way there already. But watch this space uh, if this happens. So I go to the hairdresser uh, and, and, and so on. And um, he says to me, uh, two, two cuts ago, he says to me, because my hair grows quickly, you know. So he says to me, so how do you want me to cut your hair? So I said, he says, number two. So I said, no, 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 no. My wife, also, my wife will kill you. Number two is bad. So he says, okay, no. So I went Tuesday because Carol and I had an appointment on Wednesday to go and cut here, and I knew that if I had to go with her, I could not do this. So I had to slip in there the day before. So, so I go to this because it's hot, man, you know, it's hot. So I go to this guy, and um, I said, Grant, I'm, I want to, can you cut my hair now? Not tomorrow with Carol. I want it now. So he says, okay. I didn't tell him why because I'm a believer. He needs to know that I'm honest, you see. So Grant sits me down and says, so how do you want me to cut it this time? Now, this is a ladies' hairdresser. For an Afrikaans guy, this is already a very difficult step. And, if a, and then a gay guy cuts your hair, that's a very difficult step. You know, say, so stay below, stay above the chin kind of thing. You see? And so don't stroke my shoulders. You know? So Grant says, I'm going to cut your hair. I'm going to cut. So I said, how do you want to cut it? So he says, number two. I said, this is the second time you're asking me, but I'm going to let you do it. But let's do it this way. Number two is too short for my wife. So what you do is you cut it number one year, number two year, and we add two and one, that's three, so it's a number three. <laughs> and it's a, so it wasn't a number three, it is a number two. So anyway, Carol hasn't looked at me for a while. But that's, the, Glenn, you will not get away with it. You'll not get away with it. Okay, so, uh, so what is that going to do with the point? <laughs> oh yeah, so, so I decided that I will go this short. So if we win the World Cup, the next step lower is not going to be that bad. Nick will know the feeling. That's how I wanted to get to the point. The other thing is a positive way of using a favor is that, and here we can all say, it, God favors me. It's true. As a believer, God favors me. He does. I'm his boy, man. You're his girl. You know, God favors me. But the word is also very negative. 
And I'll go through a couple of the, 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 the way that this word is offensive and negative in, from, from all times, not just our time. The first one is, and some of you may know the feeling, is when it comes to favoritism in the workplace. Favoritism in the workplace. Some of you have felt this recently. Some of you have felt this. And some of you have had your careers wrecked because of favoritism in the workplace. Favoritism in the workplace is counterproductive. It is unethical and it's actually illegal. All right? But it's such a rigmarole to get a good lawyer to defend your case that you just leave it and you go become bitter the rest of your life. And some of us are like that. Uh, when management assigns job or responsibilities to people and give promotions based on favoritism and not on performance, it is wrong. It is bad. And the company normally will then not attract qualified people to do the job. It has happened and it happens on a daily basis. Uh, right across this world, right across this nation as well. So favoritism, you can imagine, has a very negative impact on teamwork. You work with people and you know they're the, 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 um, the boss's favorite and they actually shouldn't be in this team. Uh, it, it doesn't do good for teamwork. It's not good for communication. It's not good for employer-employee relationships, work performance, uh, uh, and so on, productivity, and it normally... Uh, produces just an increase of turnover in the team. People come and go all the time because we don't want to work like that. Favoritism in the family. Now, some of it is normal, but I will, I'll give you both scenarios, but some of it is, is quite evil. You know, how many of you have never had the thought, if you have siblings, if, you, if you're the only child, you probably never thought this, but if you have siblings, that your sibling was favored, above and over you. How many of you have had that thoughts? Come on, help me out. I just need some help this morning. Okay. All right. So some of you have felt that thoughts. Others of you probably have never had a family. You know, so I'm shame. I'm sorry for you. So in my family, I had an older sister, younger sister, and I was the ham in the sandwich. They were so favored by my parents, both my mom and dad, in my view. It wasn't. My dad loved me a lot. But you know, that was my view as a child. So much so that I would go to a neighbor who was a, a tanny that really loved me. And, and at school, I would often go in there, get a hug from her, and, 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 and get a biscuit, and then go home and eat my lunch kind of thing. She was my favorite tanny, Tanny Mossy. You know, that's like a bird, Mossy bird. That's Tanny Mossy. So I would go to Tanny Mossy and say, Tanny Mossy, I just want to tell you something. I think I'm adopted. <laughs> and I would even cry about it. Because, and why, my boy? No, I know. Your, your mommy had you at Middleburg Hospital because Vatterland Wurfen didn't have a hospital. No, Tony Mosey, I'm adopted. Why? Because my older sister is my dad's dreyfi. You know what a dreyfi is? Um, eh? No, no, dreyfi is a grape. And my younger sister is his tomati, tomato. And I am the stick. Oh, that's what I get all the time, you see. Now, I probably deserved it, and they didn't, and I have a great relationship with my... But So that's normal, actually, quite normal, that you have siblings that say, yeah, this is my sibling. and it doesn't happen. It's not intentional, but that's how the way they feel. But you know what? There's evil where it actually does happen. And some of you have suffered with that. Where your parents really intentionally made you feel like the dog and favored your brother or sister. And that's bad. That's not God. That's bad. And that, you know what normally causes a lot of hurt? Feelings of rejection and also rivalry. You and your brother and sister therefore cannot get on. You cannot get on because of that. Then, 
what you and I have experienced, and I've already gone that way, is racism. Favoritism when it comes to race or favoritism when it comes to gender. I don't necessarily want to put them in the same category, but for the sake of the sermon this morning, because of time, I'll deal with them in the same group. This is basically unfair or preferential treatment to a person or a group at another person's expense based on their race or their gender. And you know, let me tell you, especially the older women, the younger women may not feel that as bad, although it's still there. You didn't get the same pay. You were actually not even allowed. Your daddy says, you know, going to university is a waste of money sending my daughter. Some of our dads said that. Let them rather get married to a good guy. We'll look after them and, and they, will just, they will just be housewives and, and stuff. There's nothing wrong. The greatest thing about a housewife is that my wife stayed at home as a qualified person, stayed at home, brought our kids up and I honor and respect her immensely for it because the results are clear. But when you tell your daughter she can't, or people in business, as you're a woman, therefore you can't. I mean, I know people who are the most bestest, hardworking, but because they're women, they just don't get the same pay. They don't get the same benefits. That's favoritism. Race, it's still, it's just in, in different forms, but it's still as, as you get, bad as you can get it in South Africa. It is maybe a bit reversed, but it's still there. It is bad. You know, I remember, and I'm going to take you back to, to times that were horrible, and, 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 but we've got to sometimes talk about this because it's not gone. As a kid, I was brought up in a system, but my parents were liberal in those days, liberal, because of where they've come from, Dutch people, and didn't believe that all people were evil that didn't look like them. So we were brought up liberal. Oh, we paid a price for it, let me tell you, which I can tell you one day when we're big. I actually don't like to speak about it. We, 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 we paid a price. But my daddy said to me, all people are equal. That's the way you will see it, my boy. And that's the way God sees it, and that's the way you will see it. And you'll pay a price for that, and we did. But you know, I remember at 18 or 19, going down to the railway station one day, and I looked on this wall there, and there was salary scales of white people, and excuse me, you know, don't get offended by me using color today. Get, hear my heart. I am not a racist. Some people have worked with me. They know my heart. I see a scale there. White person. Same job, Noho. Same job. White person. Next one was India. Colored. Black. Different salary scales. Just the gap between that and that was phenomenal. I asked the woman who was an elder in my church, uncle, why is this so different? He gave me an answer that I will refuse to even repeat in church because I shook my head and I just thought, you are, you are stupid to think that way. Terrible. Favoritism because of race has wrecked this nation. And God alone will rebuild it because we sometimes don't want to. But it's time. And we constantly have got to remind ourselves. And I think my great-grandchildren will feel very different. You know why I love going to Mozambique? The moment I go through those border posts, they think I'm Portuguese. <laughs> and the black guy next to me, they also think he's Portuguese. And I can't say abrigado, abrigada. I don't even know what to use at the same time. I say C and it's actually um, 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 
Italian or whatever like this, and I say anything, you know, I speak in tongues, and they still think you're Portuguese, man. <laughs> it's just a different dialect, but you're Portuguese, man. Yeah. But they, it seems like they got it much better because they didn't have some of the history we had. They get it much better, much righter than us. When you go there, you're Portuguese. I wish when we would come here, we're South African. Regardless of race, it has wrecked us. But James is actually not talking much about this at the moment. It's just rule of bug being at the moment. Poor and the rich, James addresses. And let's park there. I'm gonna be over time today, just chill, because I've gotta get this to you. I, I can't leave it. So help me out here. You know what God says? He says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, circumcise your hearts. In other words, you won't get this favoritism. You won't get this thing right unless your heart is tenderized. If you harden your heart, you're not going to get this, this thing right. He says, circumcise your heart. Do not be stiff-necked any longer, for the Lord your God is the God, uh, God of God's Lord of Lords. And he says, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He's not a traffic cop. He defends the cause of the fathers and the widow, loves the foreigners residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners. Here's the good news, none of us belong here. My home is up there. I'm a foreigner here as well. Deuteronomy 15, seven, among you, one of your brothers should become poor. Uh, if among you, one of your brothers should become poor, if in any of your towns within your land, the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the pure, poor and needy. And I'll come back to James's problem in the church about poor and rich people. And in James chapter 1, 27, it says, religion that God accepts is pure and faultless is this, that you would love the orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In other words, God, James is saying to us, we gotta think, an unpolluted faith is a faith that thinks about people like God does think about people. Like God does think about people. You see, the Bible says, I've read it, God is not a respecter of person. He doesn't mean he doesn't respect people. He says he's not a respecter. He doesn't show favoritism. He hasn't got favorites. You may think you are his favorite, but so am I. And so are all of us. You are not, you know, when God looks at us, and I don't want to play any of us down, is he sees a straight line, and on the straight line, he sees dots. The same size dots. When we look at people, we, favor, we, we look at people a little bit special because they earn their position, they, where they live, what they drive, and we start putting them like that. God says, no, my boy, don't think of yourself as you are so special. We are all the same in God's eyes. Where we come from, what we have done, where we have been, where we have lived. You know, you may not think that you're a respecter of person, and if a person says to me, you're not a respecter of person, I say, no, I'm not. But actually I am. Because sometimes I battle, I don't do it, but I battle. When it comes to seeing somebody influential, I struggle not to become different in their presence. And I've got to tell myself, stay normal, treat them normal. When I was at, when we were studying at, at, uh, at BTC, I told one of my friends, now you know me, I sometimes say things that I shouldn't say, but I say it anyway, and I don't mean it maliciously, but I'm just too honest sometimes. I went to my friend and I said, you know what your problem is? You're a ladder climber. And I, we were good friends, we're still good friends. You're a ladder climber. He goes, what? I said, you know what, when the Baptist Union big dudes come in here, you are so different. 
you, you just like among them and you're like, yes or no. And I said, you're a ladder climber. I respect them, but I wouldn't call them Mr. President this and Mr. General Secretary this. They, no man, come on now. You, let me tell you something. Let me prophesy over you today that you will climb the ladder and you will become the, the Baptist Union president. And he did. I said, but not because, I said, you look like you're a respecter of a person. You know, you know what? I don't like star-stricken people. Ask my wife. When Diana comes in, I go, I can tell you stories about her that you're not going to like. You know, I don't like it. But you know what? Let me, let me ask you something, Pity. If you played golf, do you know what golf is? It's that stick that they hit the ball with. You know? okay. okay. So Tiger Woods sits here. Ernie Els, Uncle Ernie Els sits there. And, and I ask you, you're not, you don't show favoritism to people, but here they sit, yes, and they're well off, they're good looking, they've got, they, they sometimes donate their best golf clubs to people like you. So they sit here. Are you going to show them favoritism? Are you going to accept it to move a little bit because any else in Tiger Woods, Carol just moved, because they, I think you would battle a bit with that. Hey? But now let me give you another scenario. If Jesus walks on the stage, yeah, and they're sitting there, but Jesus walks on, what are you going to do? You're going to lose a little bit of, they're going to lose favor a little bit in your eyes. Your eyes are going to be on Jesus. That's why James says, dear friends, if you have faith in a glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. What is he asking us? He's saying, for Pete's sake, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because then people are not that important. And it's not that we disrespect, but he is, he is the one. You see, in the Roman Empire, this was the battle. There was no middle class. There was either extremely rich or extremely poor people in the Roman Empire at this time. We're used to a middle class. Most of us will probably fall into that middle class and so on. So, so in, 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 there was no middle class, okay? So, so you, had, you had in church, you had the majority of people that came to Christ in the Roman Empire days were people who were, who were poor, they would come into church, they would smell. They didn't have money to buy Omo for, for their clothes or wash their clothes and, and so on. So they, were, they didn't look that clean, clean and so on. So, so, but, but they smelled alike, so they, 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 they're quite okay with one another. You know? so, but then a rich person would walk in who came to faith. It was not the norm. The norm was more the poor came to faith. And a rich person would come in and everybody would say, Septi, come and sit here. Uh, Peter will move up or sit on the floor yeah Pete but Septi's got to sit here because you know what he's wearing gold he's dressing nicely he didn't come he, he actually came on a camel he wasn't he wasn't leading a camel he came he, Peter come on but you, you, know, you know what you will understand eh? you'll understand there's a bit of money here for the church you know so, so you'll understand this and James says what he says faith and that stuff that doesn't go together that doesn't go. You know, we have a saying in Afrikaans, soort soek soort. In Engels, you say birds of a feather flock together. And so we say, well, the rich, the poor, the middle class, we all flock together. We will have a cup of coffee out there, but we will make sure that, you know, that I'm a little bit better or I'm a little bit worse than you. Can you imagine if we all had the freedom just to say, hey, what you drive doesn't bother me. Where you live, I thank God he's blessing you. I said, sat next to a guy on Friday, he was so rich and, and I'm, I'm a middle class guy. You know, I've, I've got all my needs met, I've got no, no concerns. But I sat next to him and he's boasting it, it, nicely as a Christian, telling me about his wealth and so on. And I just said, thank you Jesus for blessing this brother. I said, you are blessed. You are blessed. And I'm so happy that God has blessed you like this. Please also give me a holiday in your holiday house. I didn't say that yet. <laughs> all right. You see, now, 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 now let me tell you something. God loves the marginalized. God loves the widows, the poor, the orphans, those who need care. 
And he loves to provide for them. We all agree up to this stage. Let me tell you how he does that. Just move that slide on a couple there, guys. You've fallen asleep on me at the back there. By the generosity and the wisdom of the ones he has blessed with the ability to acquire and manage wealth. That part we battle a bit more. Yes, he wants to look after the poor. Who oh, he wants to bless them. But he mustn't use me or my money. James says, you know what? That kind of stuff doesn't fit in the church. It doesn't fit in the church. Proverbs 19, 17, he was kind to the poor, lends to the Lord. The generous man in Proverbs 22, 9 will be blessed. God will bless him for they share their food with the poor. The worst of all the scriptures I'm reading this morning is sell your possessions and give your money to the poor. <laughs> no, please, man. You know, and go and read it. Timothy's, uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 18. Command them to be good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous in, and willing to share. Isaiah 58, 10. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine and rise in darkness. And your night will become the noonday. You will be blessed, God is saying. When it happens to you when you do that. And he says, but when you have a banquet or give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. That's the ticket. Man, that's gonna be awesome. Don't get me wrong. The Bible, James does not condemn anybody with wealth. In fact, so often the Bible says, those who are righteous, those who followed him, he has blessed with wealth. But can you imagine if I can say, Lord, I will use this to extend your kingdom and to help some poor guys out. Mahatma Gandhi, in his autobiography, at one stage in his life, and I close with this, started to study the gospels. And he read them over and over, and he, he fell in love, in a sense, with the teachings of Jesus Christ. And, and so, so he thought by himself that if I apply these teachings, then we can do away with the caste system among India, Indians. You know what the caste system is. It's basically, you know, and so you don't give to the poor either as well because that's their karma. That is their, their lot. And if you do give to them, then you will be penalized. So you just let them be poor. That's the system in India. And it's still like that in India. All right? So, so Mahatma, he goes, man, I'm so impressed with the teaching of Jesus. If we can apply this, we will have no, no, no class system and so on. And, and, and according to James, it should not be. He's right. So he goes to church. True story. He goes to church that Sunday to give his life to Jesus, to speak to the pastor, to give his life to, the Jesus, to Jesus. He arrives with a full intention to give his life to Jesus at the back door there. The usher stops him and says, sir, sorry, you can't come in here. This, this, this church, you may not come in here. This church is for high caste Indians and whites only. Gandhi turns around and he says, if Christians have caste differences. He doesn't blame Jesus. If Christians have caste differences, I may as well remain a Hindu. He walks out the church never, ever to consider Christianity again in his life. And later in his life, he says this, if it had been, if it, I would have been a Christian if it had not been for Christians. 
verbatim. This is what he says. Another thing Mahatma Gandhi says, if, if Christians would only apply this book, this world will be a different place. So let me tell you something, my friend. That usher that stopped him that day, that usher, I don't know, I hope that he somehow down the line asked Jesus for forgiveness and did it out of ignorance. But that usher, in his prejudice, betrayed Jesus on that day and turned a person away from the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope at the end of his life, he did make right to Jesus. But that's not my business. Let me ask you, how many of you are struggling with issues of favoritism in your life? Let's talk about the family. Remember how you were treated as a child maybe? It's maybe today to just lay it down and say, I forgive. I'm gonna forgive because that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Otherwise you're gonna go to the grave bitterness. Maybe you've been done in at work and favoritism shown to somebody who shouldn't maybe really have gotten a job over you, but you were not in with the boss. You, you didn't climb the ladder. I mean, it cost you. Maybe it's race, gender. Maybe as a poor person, you feel like I don't feel at home here. Maybe as a rich person, you're feeling, I'm feeling a bit superior. All we've got to do is say, Jesus, deal with this evil in my heart. May I forgive today and do just what James tells me to do. That if I believe, if I have faith in this glorious Lord Jesus Christ, who himself does not show favoritism, help me to treat everybody equal from this seat to the traffic light out there.